Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And we're back this week to uh, continue our 2021 CFL season preview. Uh, we did the East Division last week, and we're back to do the five teams out West. Mike, how are you doing this week? Not too bad. I had a little bit of a long weekend uh, this weekend for me, but uh, rubbed and ready to go and see what the wheat brings. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, another week down brings us another week closer to the CFL season. We're now, what, two, three weeks away at this point, I think? Uh, yeah, two weeks from this Thursday. Everything kicks off on uh, Thursday, August 5th. IG Field in Winnipeg between the Bombers and the Ticats. Uh, and let's just get right into it because we've got five teams to talk about and a lot to say, I'm sure, uh, on each of them. So what, what better place to start, I think, than, well, we are based in Winnipeg. Um, they are also the defending Grey Cup champs. Got to get that in at least 10 more times before the new season begins. Um Let's start with the Bombers, a, an 11-7 and record in 2019, finished third in the West, but go on to win the Grey Cup. Uh, offensively carried heavily by the run game, uh, last in a lot of the passing categories in the league. Uh, we know they love to run the ball. Uh, defensively, uh, very good against the run, best team in the league against the run in 2019, uh, passing defense, uh, not as great bottom half of the week, kind of that classic Richie Hall, Ben, but don't break defense. Wh where do we go from here with the defending champs? There we go. I said it again. Well, I think it's very interesting because if you look at the numbers passing wise for the blue bombers, I think a lot of that did not take into account Zach Kalarles. Um, I think we kind of saw a very interesting variation of the two teams. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. One of which was very uh, heavily predicated on the run. The other was kind of the inconsistency as to who would be the quarterback after Matt Nichols got hurt. So that forced them to kind of rely on the running game. Uh, they were able to find the passing game uh, in the playoffs when it mattered most. And the defense was able to bat, batten down the hatches uh, when it came to the playoffs. So it was kind of a, a weird year for the Bombers. I mean, they started so well, 4-0, 5-0. Didn't have a great middle section. Uh, vintage. Yeah, it was a game in Toronto, if memory serves me right, where the slide tennis started. Uh, I still can't even believe they lost that game against the Arnold back in uh, in 19, just how that loss came about. And then, you know, you had the middle stretch. And then, of course, the aftermentioned final game of the season against Calgary and the Calaros couple touchdowns and Bombers pull one out. And then, well, the rest, they say, is history. Yes, uh, history indeed. The drought gets broken. They go on to win the Great Cup, but... Yeah, if you look at the season as a whole, I wouldn't say this was a dominant football team necessarily all season long. I mean, third in the West, uh, you know, to compare it to hockey, maybe it's a, you know, it's a, it's a lower seed goes on to win 
win the cup. Uh, it's now I would argue it's easier to do so in the CFL than it is in the NHL where you have to win multiple seven game series uh, against a team that played better during the regular season. But uh, I, I think there is room for improvement regular season wise this year for Winnipeg. And uh, I, I think they had, you know, as far as comparing the Grey Cup roster to what we have here in training camp, I think we see a lot of similarities for this team, don't we? Yeah, we see a lot of similarities. We see some differences. I mean, obviously, uh, losing uh, players' name escapes me right now due to injury, uh, and then picking up Darby from Toronto. Um, you know, there's a couple of them. Uh, they got the it's a DB from Japan. Uh, Les Marusio. Les Maruo, I think. Yeah, who they who they seem to be pretty high on. Uh, biggest question mark for me if I'm the Bombers is what's going to happen with a tipper. I mean, this morning we find out they got Tyler Trapani as a free agent. Uh, Mark Leggio has a big leg that. Uh, has accuracy issues, so we're told. Um, in fairness, I don't think Leggio has been pushed in this camp. Uh, he's been primarily the only kicker on the roster, so I think Crepania to come in and either push him or Leggio's kind of played his way out of town. But, I mean, I, I can't see a situation, right? And you and I know this just as good as anybody. I don't think you're bringing in Chapania here for 10 days of training camp without having a little bit of a bit, bit, bit of a better plan with comfort level that, that Chapania brings. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. We've had the luxury over the last number of CFL seasons to basically assume that everything over, over midfield around the 40-yard line is an automatic field goal. Um, so that's going to be very interesting how they handle that. Um, I think the defense, there's some question marks, uh, the middle of the defense, um, some of the cornerbacks and now what that does to Brandon Alexander, he goes back into that more of that cover guy instead of the middle guy. And then Darby replaces Alexander in the middle. Interesting thing about Darby is he's better. He's better in the bots uh, than he is at covering. It was somebody that I talked to about Darby, and that kind of led me to believe that maybe they think Darby's in the bots, and then Dylan Alexander moves to the outside. And, you know, there, there's as much as the Grey Cup was a nice thing that happened in 19, I think this has a potential with one or two catastrophic injuries to, to go completely the opposite way. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Andrew Harris because I'll tell you something right now, right? My ears grew about three inches longer when I found out they were sitting Andrew Harris for two weeks. Uh, I don't know if there's something up there. I don't want to assume there's something up there, but it just seems a little bit funny to me that you're they're sitting them out for two weeks. Uh, so maybe we better start looking at the depth options behind Andrew Harris. 
Well, yeah, and I think it's especially weird given that, you know, it's been, we've had a whole last year off, you know, and you could, sure, maybe you, you could see if he was playing late until the year before, uh, giving him some rest time before training camp, but you would think over the past year he would have had plenty of that. Uh, some guys around the league maybe had too much of that, uh, and that who knows if that's maybe leading to a lot of the, uh, the injuries we're seeing around the league in training camp but yeah very interesting situation with Andrew Harris we'll see how that plays out Uh, I'm very interested to see what this season looks like for him Uh, you know he is uh, he is another two years older since he last played Um, and so we'll see what effect I still I still totally believe he can play at a high level and don't really have question marks on that Um, but yeah these two weeks off are a bit curious Uh, And I think we'll, but I expect him to be ready to go for week one. And then it's just something that's behind us from there. Uh, One one of the things I, I, I love that I've seen so far in training camp for Winnipeg is, and you've talked about these two moves already, bringing in Tyler Krapina and Alden Darby to replace uh, Mercy Maston, who's out for the season now with an Achilles injury is like Kyle Walters isn't playing around and waiting right? He's yeah. okay. We have an issue here. Uh, we have an injury here. Let me go and find somebody to bring in and replace him. And I love Alden Darby. I think he's a great defensive back. Uh, same thing with the kicker position. We've been so fortunate as bomber fans to have money medlock for the past number of years where basically the, there's, there's a good reason a lot of times bombers are up there in points four is because almost every drive ends in at least three points because Medlock is making those kicks the majority of the time. Uh, yep. to now, now you, you, you know, Medlock is no longer back this year. Uh, Legio struggling in camp. So they bring in a veteran like Tyler Kripinia. I love that move from Kyle Walters. Offensively, like, like just looking at the different sides of the ball, I think offensively, I don't have too many question marks for Winnipeg. Obviously, the big one is the quarterback position. Uh, I'm sure we've talked about this at length on previous uh, free agency offseason shows. Uh, but coming into the new season, uh, you know, Chris Strevler goes off to the NFL, so there's not much you can do there. Uh, but do you like the Bombers' decision to go with Caleros over Nichols? Uh, and how do you feel about the QB depth in general? QB depth in general are on the lead. I think there's only one or two teams, and we referenced this last week, where I feel exactly comfortable with the with the backup scenario. It seems to be feast or famine, really, when it comes to, to the quarterback position. Um, listen, Caleros won a great cup. There's a lot of... There's a lot of question marks about his health. Mind you, two years have passed. And, you know, it's, it's good for a guy that, you know, has come off the injury injury train, um, unfortunately, with the head injuries. So it's, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, too, not too much has been made of, you know, he's one play away from getting hurt. That's that's anybody. That's Claros. That's Olivier Mitchell. That's uh, Cody Pichardo. That's you know, Shaq Evans. Players like that. I mean, you're one. You're one unfortunate play away from having an injury that's 
hope that doesn't happen. I don't wish injuries upon anybody, but my, my point of emphasis is, is, is that everybody on the field or on the ice is subjected to potentially one play ending their season. So, but again, I think it was a very tough decision. I mean, Matt Nichols has been that soldier guy. Uh, Talaros was here to win the great cup. Uh, one thing I did like about it, and I think this kind of struck, struck a chord with bomber management, is the ability for Zach Talaros to throw the deep ball. Mm. Um, I, I've had some questions about Matt Nichols from, you know, 25-plus yards. We see him master the short game, the medium game, but not necessarily have success at the long game. Uh, there was a couple of games uh, there was the silencer, uh, the Chris Cuthbert call, that basically gave the Bombers the West semifinal, that lawn play. Um, I believe the phrase was that I watched Jamie the other day, actually. Kalaros uh, with the silencer, I think it was the, the play to Lawler. Um, and then he had that deep play in the, uh, in the West semi, no, sorry, in the West final. Uh, deep against their own goalpost. He throws it about 55 yards. Uh, gets the Bombers into Saskatchewan territory from her own um, from her own goal line. Um, just, I think, the accuracy deep, I think, was part of the decision in my mind anyway, but at least steered the decision to be Talaros versus Nettles because I think in a pinch, when you do need to go deep, it just adds another element of, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, being accurate for 30-plus yards, especially given the receivers that the Bombers have. If you can basically throw it up and there's a guy to go dead at 35 yards down the field, it just gives defensive coordinators another another thing to think about. And that's no slight against Matt Nichols, but I just really sense the hesitancy to – you know, let it fly when it was required. Yeah, and I think the I think we're going to see a more balanced Winnipeg offense this year. You know, top in the league in run game, bottom of the league in pass game the year before or the last season they played. I, I think it's going to be more balanced out. I think they will still lean heavily on the run game, which I, I, I mean, I totally think you should when you have a guy like Andrew Harris as your starting running back, not to mention – uh, some good quality backups in Augustine and Oliveira, Oliveira, sorry. Um, but I think they do have the potential to lean more on the passing game. Uh, you have pretty much most of your starting receiving core back again this year. Lucky Whitehead goes to BC, uh, but you've got some great backup and they lose Daniel Peterman to Ottawa, but Charles Nelson and Jermarian Grant have room to factor in there. Uh, as well as a guy they just brought in recently uh, that I know you're very high on, Mike. I don't believe he's found his way into camp just yet, but uh, I believe it's Cameron Meredith, correct? Yeah, he spent time with the Chicago Bears. Uh, he's been really, uh, you know, he could be the game breaker. I, I don't want to compare him to Lucky Wade. I'm not sure about his, his returning ability, but uh, you know what? That's a pretty good trade-off, and and we knew going into it, I think last free agency that Lucky Whitehead um, was going to be primarily featured on the special teams. I think it would have been hard to make him an impact portion of the offense. 
uh, just given the tools and the weapons around. But you know what? I, I, I think if you want to talk about Cam, um, you know what? I think they're going to give him some time to come around. And I, I would be lying to you if I wasn't concerned about a guy not being ready to go on day one, day two, day three, day four of Cam. Um, considering he's the guy that needs to make an impression. Right. But I but I actually believe that because he was in the NFL, because he was successful, because he has uh, major injury, but you know what, he, he does have a little bit more leeway compared to some other guys when it comes to track records. So, and again, Cap is so long. I think you're at the point now where the veterans are like, hey, let's go, let's start to... Uh, you know, let's start to play a preseason game, at least in the normal year at this point in time. Um, I think when you're hitting your own guys and not hitting your own guys, and there comes a point where it just becomes, you know, let's get a change of scenery uh, around here and let's hit somebody in a, in a different colored jersey, right? And I think if you're the veterans and going through the paces, you know, you're trying to show that you're attentive to the training camp, but you also don't want to overexert yourself to the point where, uh, you know, you, you, you're not ready to go come week number one or, right. you know, you start hitting a fatigue wall in the bad quarter of the season. So it's a fine line. Uh, defensively, quick look there before we move things along here. Um, defensive line is largely intact from last season. I think they've got, you know, you're looking at potentially a starting four, according to the CFL website's projected depth chart. Uh, Jackson, Jeffcoat, Jake Thomas, uh, Casey Sales, uh, Willie Jefferson, but you've also got Jonathan Kongbo, Theodric Hansen, Stephen Richardson, uh, and somebody they brought in, I believe, 2020 offseason in Toby Antigua, who can really move all, all around on defense. Uh, so we could see him in a bunch of different positions this year. Uh, at the linebacker position, you're looking at Kyrie Wilson, Adam Big Hill. It was going to be Mercy Maston seemingly uh, as the other linebacker, but maybe now Brandon Alexander slides down there. Uh, and I think the biggest question mark defensively is going to be the defensive backfield because this is where the Bombers lost a lot of their deepest or biggest pieces. Uh, Winston Rose, Marcus Zales among them. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to see what the defensive backfield has to offer because you have guys who I think came on late last season and Nick Taylor and Mike Jones, who are likely getting some starting spots here. Um, and, and, you know, we're probably going to have some guys like we do all the time that we don't necessarily know their names very well yet that are going to come out and make a name for themselves early on this season. You know, what's very interesting to me. Uh, Jonathan Conro, uh, I, I uh, Finton wasn't a part of the plans, uh, but Finch fell through in the, in the NFL for him. So he's back here on a, on a one-year deal. To me, to me, I think it just solidifies uh, that they're planning some kind of a rotation on that D-line that could be terrorizing if it's anywhere near what we did in the playoffs and in the gray top. And I think that's going to alleviate some of the pressure that we perhaps have on the back end of the team. Um, right? Because if the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball, the back half of the 
uh, defensive end isn't necessarily exposed on every every kind of play. So, right. you know, you have to pick your poison when it comes to, you know, constructing a football team in a salary cap era. Do you want your offense heavy? How do you want to construct your defense? Do you want to play a ball control type of offense, which will help you in the cold weather? Uh, or do you want to focus on the old adage, defense wins championships? I hope your offense produces just enough. Quite honestly, right? we've been on bomber, bomber teams that have been shown both sides of it. Um, I can remember runs where defense bails out the offense, and you're just like, can we get something from the offense? And now you're on a offensively powered team where it's like, can we get a little bit of defense? So threading that fine line for not only Kyle Walters, but the rest of the CFL is a very interesting scenario. And you also want guys that your coordinators can work with, uh, but work the scheme as well. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Buck Pierce as uh, the new offensive coordinator. And that's the great unknown because nobody knows what kind of an offensive mind Buck Pierce is. It's one thing to be an assistant offensive coordinator. It's another to be the coordinator and have, have your own ideas, right? Right. And there's some new coaches on the defense. So as much as what we can take is that, you know, it's just, Pick your poison about how you want to build your team. Now, again, we're going to get into full predictions uh, next week as we get closer to the season, have more of a final picture of what these teams look like after they make their final cuts. Um, But my quick outlook on this season for the Bombers, uh, probably similar to last season. I, I, I see them middle upper pack of the West, uh, I, I haven't kind of fully decided on what the exact position I think they'll finish in, but I, I don't think this is a team that's going to run away with the West division, but I think it's one that is going to win its fair share of games uh, and be competitive throughout the season. And, you know, then they, they get themselves into the playoffs and then, Hey, maybe they do the same thing they did last year and uh, find their way back to the cup. You know what? It's the old saying, you got to be in it to win it. Do the Bombers want one home playoff game or one game, one home playoff game? You get to the great cup? Absolutely. But I don't think it would be that bad uh, to have to do the same road again because this is the team that did that very same road and did so very, very successfully based on the results. But I think there's something to be said about a West division and having home field advantage in the West division in your own stadium, at least for one game. Right. So yeah. I, think the, I think the plan is if you're a Winnipeg, but you want some kind of a home playoff team this year. Well, yeah, you always do, right? Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where they end up. Uh, let's move on to uh, the next team here on our list. Uh, the big story around this team is their new name for this season, the Edmonton Elks. Uh, we've talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago, our thoughts on that. Uh, I'm excited to see the Elks hit the field uh, this year. Uh, 2019 for them uh, was an 8-10 and record, fourth in the West, play, West Division, 
they do cross over, beat Montreal in the first round of the playoffs, and then uh, lose to Hamilton in the East final. Uh, offensively, uh, rushing game, kind of middle of the pack. Passing game, kind of middle of the pack. I'd say a very middle team offensively. Uh, defensively, they were uh, one of the better defenses in the leagues. They led the leagues in sacks and two and outs. Uh, and least pass it and you know defend defending against the pass they were very strong there um what does 2021 bring for edmonton yeah i think for edmonton it's the winds that change with uh two new coaches since uh they last played uh now jamie alzando being in there um jamie alzando very offensively minded coach uh, something that I think would help them out a little bit. Um, Trevor Harris, good quarterback. He has good weapons around him uh, this this time of year, uh, this season. Um, I think we're going to see a bit more balance from me out. Um, I, I have no reason why this can't be a playoff team in Edmonton. Yeah. Can we just stop there for a sec and just like spend a solid minute, like drooling in awe over this wide receiver group that Edmonton has. Like this is an unreal group of receivers. They've got Darrell Walker uh, who's coming back to Edmonton. Now they pick up Armonte Edwards from Toronto as well. They still have Greg Ellingson. Uh, Tavon Smith showed, uh, had himself a very fine season. Uh, in 2019 as well they bring in Mike Jones over from Hamilton but you know that's probably your starting five Uh, you've got guys like Kenny Shaw coming in for some depth Uh, Shea Ross who went viral a couple weeks ago for uh, his ability to do a backflip and dunk an Oreo at the same time I mean Trevor Harris is one of the best passers in the game and he saw that we saw that in the playoffs when he uh threw the that the, had that lights out game against Montreal and now he has these extra weapons with for him on top of that like it's not even fair really is it Well it's not even fair but I think they're going to have to release one or two of those guys to get under the, under the cap uh but again, I, I we we talked about a he, a heavy dose of offensive talent. Uh, my question is: Is their defense going to be able to match or exceed that? I don't believe that defense is going to be able to exceed the offensive talent there. But you know, they have to find a they have to find a way to get some defense and then offense marginally better and you know you're not looking at a crossover team at that rate and you know you're talking about the margin for error in the west division being probably in most cases one game on either side uh between a crossover and a divisional spot uh i could see some improvement uh from me out for for sure um this season but you know i still have some questions uh, on their on their defense, which was middle of the pack, um, near the top of the lead last year, and can can they replicate that? I'll tell you what: the w- number of weapons that uh, Trevor Harris has at his disposal uh, reminds me of Anthony Calvillo led 
uh, Alouette teams, uh, mm-hmm. where you basically didn't know who was getting the ball on a play-by-play basis. Uh, you know, I had to see a situation where Edmonton rolls with seven or eight receivers in a game, uh, has the fewest thousand-yard receivers in the in the CFL just because they have so many people in and around close to close to the thousand yard mark. Uh, you know, there's not one receiver that's head over heels better than everybody else. And I think people need to start taking uh, the Trevor Harris MOP conversation up, up a few notches. Uh, Cause I've seen some of the preseason prognostications and I think the outs are being disrespected in some of those polls. And you know what? The West Division has to be extremely careful because, you know, as much as we talked about the Bombers and Strasburg presumably having good teams and BC having pretty good teams, the reality is that somebody, somebody is going to finish in last place. There's going to be a good team that's not going to make the playoffs. That's assuming it. That's assuming they keep the format the same. Um, but a good football team in the West Division is not going to make the playoffs this year. And I can't even tell you who that's going to be yet. Well, the big story with this Edmonton team that finished, like they finished below 500 in 2019. You have to remember, this guy we're talking about, Trevor Harris, was injured for a good chunk of that season, right? Uh, and I believe they were going with Logan Kilgore uh, as the backup, who did have some good games in his own right. But uh, you know, not having your star quarterback for a chunk of that season, uh, we could see a big boost from Edmonton this year if he stays healthy all season long. All these weapons at his disposal. One of the interesting things for the Elks for me is the running back position. Uh, James Wilder Jr. Uh, as slotted in as the starting running back. Uh, Terry Williams slotted in as the backup. Last season, Edmonton running with a, uh, a combo of C.J. Gable, who I believe is retired now or is not playing this season at least, uh, and Shaq Cooper, who's off to B.C., and we'll talk about him uh, when we get to B.C. shortly. Uh JWJ, uh, I believe, retired at some point in the past two off seasons and then has now decided to come back and play for Edmonton, uh, a guy who's been under a lot of scrutiny his rookie season in the CFL, uh, absolutely lit it up, had a bit of a, I think, a sophomore slump and had a, a lot of eyes on him uh, throughout that time. And uh, now, you know, he went to Montreal for a bit. Now he's in Edmonton. What are your expectations for Wilder Jr.? Yeah, I don't know because, I mean, we know him from Toronto, but, you know, Toronto didn't necessarily have the weapon. Now I know they won a great cup, but this to me underscores the uncertainty of the West Division. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at the caliber of running backs that are in the West Division, uh, Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, Andrew Harris, William Powell, JWJ. You know what? It's an on the divisional heavy emphasis that's on the schedule this year. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting because 
If you think Andrew Harris is going to win the Russian title, go ahead, but it's not going to be easy. And I could easily see a situation where where JWJ uh, one ends up winning the Russian title. Yeah. And it all depends, I think, how heavily they balance or how well they balance this offense, right? Because uh, the temptation when you have so many outstanding wide receivers uh, at your disposal and a quarterback who loves to throw the ball is to maybe lean away from the running game a bit. Now, that being said, uh, they do have a lot of these great options. They did have a lot in 2019 as well. Uh, you know, some of the guys missing from here, like Ricky Collins Jr., who was a thousand yard receiver. Uh, and is now off to Toronto, now in Toronto. So he gets replaced by one of these guys. Uh, so they had the options that last season as well. They still ran the ball 361 times, which was fourth in the league. Uh, so I, I could see them still giving him the ball quite a bit. And I think maybe that's something that in his sophomore season and in his uh, – you know, following seasons in Toronto and in Montreal, he, he didn't get the ball as heavily as he did as a rookie. So I think if they give him the ball, uh, I could see Wilder Jr. doing some great things and creating a really balanced attack there for Edmonton. Well, here's here's the interesting thing, and, and, and I, I'm glad you touched on, you know, we have the – I don't believe the Edmonton team of two years ago ran the ball enough. Uh, mind you, not sure they had the ability to, you know, with C.J. Dable and all those weapons and quarterback, but like to throw the ball. I mean, that's why I, I, I think we didn't get a full appreciation, and this is no not to what happened in in uh, in Ottawa, but I don't believe we got the full. Um, I don't believe we got the full appreciation for what William Powell is, um, you know, before he came to Saskatchewan. And you know what? If, if I'm William Powell, I'm, I'm kind of happy with my situation now. I mean, Powell was one of the most dynamic bats uh, in Ottawa and can help with Saskatchewan. And I'm just hoping they utilize uh, – JWJ and help balance that offense and it's going to be really interesting how you deploy all the weapons uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, hockey in a way right I mean there's certain teams where you can match up well if you if you want to play a physical game you can do that too if you want to if you want to if you want to play a a uh, speed when it sits five game, we can do that too. And I think if your team's playing Edmonton, if you want to play an offensive shootout, uh, they can certainly do that. If you want to play a middle 30s game, low, a high 20s game, yeah, we can do that too, right? Uh, I think this is all setting up, Ryan, to be. Especially early in the season, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of games eclipse 90 total points scored. And I think there's going to be some absolute barn burner shootouts in the West. Now let's look at defense for Edmonton. I think you're, I think you hit the nail on the head uh, when you said you had some concerns there. Uh, looking at this roster here, I think they have a very good quality defense on paper. 
Uh, I just don't know what it will look like out on the field because it is overhauled so much from uh, what their defense looked like in their last game they played in that East final against Hamilton. Uh, right now you're slotted in your top four defensive linemen. Uh, you're looking at a, at uh, Sean Lemon, Mike Moore, Jake Serezna, Kwaku Boateng. Uh, you're missing two notable pieces there in Almondo Sewell and uh, Nick Usher, who I believe went both went off to Montreal, as we talked about last week. Uh, your linebacker at linebacker in that East final, uh, Javon Santos Knox, no longer with Edmonton. Uh, Larry Dean, who went to Saskatchewan and uh, unfortunately has a torn Achilles. Uh, and Don Anamba, who's also no longer uh, with Edmonton. So a whole new change there at linebacker. They do have a starting group of Vontae Diggs, uh, Kevin Brown II, and Brian Walker, which I think are all great players in their own right. Uh, and then at the defensive backfield, you're looking at right now uh, a group of maybe Jonathan Rose, Aaron Grimes, uh, Jermaine Gabriel, Jonathan Mincy, Robert Priester. Um, none of these guys starting in Edmonton's defensive backfield in that East final. So uh, they've, over the last two years, brought in, lost a lot of pieces. They've also brought in a lot of pieces. And I think they brought in some really good pieces. Like I think bringing in a guy like Jonathan Rose is going to be huge for that defensive back, uh, a really good quality veteran uh, who spent so, a lot of time in Ottawa's backfield. Uh, and, and, you know, a guy like a Sean Lemon on the defensive line, who's been around the league and, and has played many years. Like if you're going to overhaul your defense, I think it's important to bring some strong veterans like these guys in to help the cause. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's a very interesting scenario. But if if you can play defense in the CFL, you can win a lot of games by scoring 40, 45 points. But uh, if you're winning 45, 35 every game, sure. But not sure how that's gonna help you in the playoffs. Well, I mean, if you win 45-35 in the playoffs, you go on to the next round, but... True, true. But, I mean, I, I think and that's what I said, right? Like, finding that balance of distributing your team to have a good offense and a good defense is a, it's a very, very fine balance. Yeah, and, and I think... I think this is, like I said, I think this is a good defense on paper. Uh, and I want to see what they look like out on the field. If they can, you know, if they can put the pressure on the quarterback uh, and lead the league or tie for the league in sacks and forcing two and outs and, you know, have a defensive backfield that can, uh, is basically one of the best in the league, like pair that together with the potent offense we talked about earlier. I, you know, as we sum up Edmonton here to, and move on, I, I, I think this is, uh, has the potential to be as good of a team as any in the West division this year. I think that eight and 10 record, uh, you know, the, there is the Trevor Harris injury asterisk on there. I think they at least hit 500, if not a couple games over. I think they make the West division playoffs potentially if he doesn't go down last season. Uh, and with the tinkering they've done this year and bringing in Jamie Elizondo, uh, who has a great offensive mind himself, uh, I'm excited to see what this season brings for Edmonton. And I think it's going to be an improved team over what we last saw. Yeah, for sure. All right, Mike, let's move on to our next team. Uh, where do you want to go next? 
Let's talk about the neighbors to, to uh, the direct last of us, the team that we played in the uh, Western final last year. That would be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a 13 and five regular season. Uh, first in the West, they lose the West final to Winnipeg. Uh, offensively, uh, basically running game, uh, much like the Bombers, uh, running game top in the league, uh, you know, top three teams roughly in the league, uh, passing game, kind of more middle of the pack, a little lower down, uh, which actually kind of surprised me, surprises me a bit looking at this just based on the great season that Cody Fajardo himself had. Uh, defensively across the board in the top three categories in the league, uh, you know, the best, the least rushing TDs, give, the least yards given up, uh, second least points given up. Uh, it was a really strong defense uh, in 2019 for Saskatchewan. Uh, we talked a lot last week about Ottawa and the offensive line issues with guys retiring or being out. Um, we've seen a lot of that with uh, Saskatchewan as well, haven't we? We have, and guys wanting to retire, guys opting out. Uh, I'll tell you what, if there's one team outside of Edmonton that really intrigues me, it's I don't have a clue what's going to happen in Saskatchewan. Yeah, me either, because this is a team, well, and I mean, what is it, four guys with Achilles injuries in one day a couple weeks ago on the first day of camp? Not even the first day of camp? Yep, four guys, and then, uh, you know, we talked about the Jason Moss, if he can, we all know how good of an offensive coach uh, Jason Moss is, and, you know, there's some some very good uh defensive prospects uh, in the system for the Riders. Uh, some first-year guys that are going to crack the roster, but you know, I, I just think if if Saskatchewan's offense can can be very uh, efficient, there's no reason why uh, Cody Fajardo won't be in the discussion for MLP at, at season's end. Uh, I looked at that receiving core. Um, you know, Shaq Evans. Uh, there's a young guy there, Canadian uh, Lenius, but I know they're they're high on first rounder McKinnis. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Justin McKinnis. Um, there, there really seems to be that emphasis, but it seems like the Riders are going to start two Canadians in the, in the receiving core, uh, that being Lennius and McKinnon, and then, oh, sorry, McKinnis. Um, so, I mean, Shaq Evans is Shaq Evans, and William Powell is William Powell. Now they, they seem to be moving two uh, Americans around on, you know, the offensive line with Labatt, who was in a, probably be a big part and then you know the Achilles injuries happening on the defensive side um, it, it's going to be very very interesting um, I, I think outside of Hamilton Ryan the other eight teams have the capability of being very good if this 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 and this happens 
And I could really see the Riders finishing first in the West or being the crossover team. Um, that's just how unsure I am about what is going to happen with the Riders and in the West Division specifically. Yeah, the the big concern for me, uh, I agree with all of the things you said there, uh, especially, you know, the hype they have for Braden Lemius at wide receiver. Uh, I believe it was Cody Fajardo thinks he could be a thousand yard, yard receiver this year. So uh, everybody's focusing on Shaq Evans, Kyron Moore, Jordan Williams, Lambert, uh, but maybe people are sleeping on some of these other guys that are going to slot in at that position for them now. Uh, filling slots left by guys like uh, Naaman Roosevelt, who are no longer with the team. The big concern for me has to be offensive line, though. I mean, Brendan Labatt sitting the season out. You also have a couple guys in Tacoby Cofield, Braden Schramm, I believe, uh, who are who have announced retirements. Uh, you know, some of the next up depth options. I believe we just found out Cyrus Coangelio. Uh, is also either retiring or sitting this season out. So you're looking at a potential, you know, top four guys right now of a Taryn Vaughn, Dan Clark, who's been there obviously for a long time, uh, Evan, ja- Evan Johnson, Brett Boyko. Uh, but then there's a lot of questions behind that, I think, on the offensive line. Uh, I know there's a guy named a uh, Canadian by the name of Logan Furland who's been impressing a lot of people at camp. Uh, he maybe slots in there and gets himself a starting position, but uh, it, it's so hard to predict how an offense is going to play uh, because, you know, we've, we've been here in Winnipeg. We, we've seen uh, the year, what the difference in offensive line makes, right? Like we've seen the years of quarterback struggles and offensive struggles uh, for the Bombers when they did not have a, a strong offensive line keeping their quarterbacks upright. Uh, and, and now in recent years, having one of the better offensive lines in the league has made a night and day difference for that team. So especially with Cody Fajardo going into his you know, second season as a starter here, I know he's been around the league for a while. Um, it's definitely the offensive line is a concern, uh, but it's the opportunity for other guys to step up here. And I, I think if you look at Saskatchewan, all eyes are going to be on Fajardo this year. He, he's the player everybody's watching because this is a guy, he spent time in Toronto. He spent time in BC, I think, before coming to Saskatchewan. Probably, I feel like a couple other places as well. I might be wrong on that. Uh, and just couldn't get the starting job until Caleros went down in, on the second or third play of the season. Uh, and then this was Fajardo's job the rest of the season. And he absolutely crushed it. Now the question on him is, how does he follow that up? Yeah, and I I think the other thing, too, is I think you need a little more out of William Powell, and I think there's going to be more in the book on Cody Pajardo, and I think that's up to Jason Moss to come up with something creative. Uh, You know, a quarterback is often a byproduct of his offensive play taller, his offensive play call is often a byproduct of how his quarterback looks. To me, the wild card in this whole thing is nobody's seen, everybody's seen Jason Moss on tape, uh, what he can do with an offensive coordinator. How does quarterback 
work with um, work with offensive coordinator and the B part. What does your offensive line depth look like? Primarily, uh, the sixth and seventh offensive linemen are guys that can play multiple positions. In the event of an injury, he can slide. You know, you're not locked to a position. So depth and versatility on the offensive line and didn't go a long way. Now, defensive side of the ball is where things are going to look quite a bit different this season for Saskatchewan, I think. Um, they, I mentioned before they were top in the league defensively. And with that, when you have so many outstanding playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, they either all want a shot at the NFL uh, or they want to pay raise and you can't keep them all. And, uh, you know, we can just quickly go through the list of guys that are not back there. Uh, you know, Micah Johnson, Charleston Hughes gone on the, or sorry, Micah Johnson is back. Uh, on the defensive line for Saskatchewan, but they lose Charleston Hughes. Uh, at the linebacker position is completely different. No Cam Judge, no Solomon Elmemian, no Derek Moncrief. Uh, at the defensive backfield, they retain a lot of their, their members there, but uh, LJ McRae uh, currently on the suspended list, waiting to see what happens there. Uh, so this is going to look a little bit de- different on defense. Uh, you're looking at a, uh, along the line and AC, uh, you know, AC Leonard, McCona, McCona Henry, uh, Micah Johnson is kind of a, a solid top three there. And then I think you get into a bit of a, a debate of uh, um, who, who will be joining them at starting on the defensive line. Uh, at linebacker, you, you've got some options there. You've got Micah Tights uh, or Teets. Uh, Oluazion Idowu, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and Dion Lacey, who they brought in, uh, likely slotting in at linebacker, a guy I think uh, kind of shifts around between linebacker and defensive back. Uh, you also do have, you know, you, they brought in both Herdman Reeds, Jordan and Justin. They brought in Lorenzo Jerome from Calgary. So some options there at linebacker. Uh, and then defensive backfield, Nick Marshall, Ed Ganey, Mike Edom, Ellie Boca uh, will all be back uh, this season. Uh, Ellie Boca uh, may miss the first week or so. Uh, and then Lucius Purifoy as well, slotting in somewhere there. Uh, and, um, and then the depth behind them there. So they still have some strong pieces at the defense on the defensive side of the ball, but certainly, I mean, this defense has to take a bit of a step back just based on who they all lost, right? Nelson uh, Latombo, to me, um, I don't think people realize how big of a loss that's going to be. Um, this is a guy that can play pretty much any defensive position on the field. Uh, played with the Saskatchewan Huskies was a very, very dead, uh, very, very dead defender. Um, I, I think Saskatchewan needs to find some defensive help. Uh, they need some guys, but the best way to put it is you need some guys who you don't anticipate getting much from to exceed your expectations when it comes to that. And you know what? Everybody has... All the good teams, Ryan seems to have a situation of 
while we didn't see this guy doing as well as we anticipated, um, I'm also curious what's going to happen uh, defensively in you know in the past coverage. Um, we know how much heat Jason Shivers has taken in the past uh, for management of his defensive troops. Uh, I've been expectations in Saskatchewan need to be realistic. Do I believe that they're going to finish first in the West? Well, they most certainly can, but like I said, um, you know, you need a defense to win you some championships uh, and to take you far, uh, as we've seen with the Blue Bombers. So I'm going to make the bold prediction right here, right now. Let's do it. And I hope I hope you guys are ready for this. The first place team in the West Division will not be at the Grey Cup this year. I think that's a fair prediction. It's going to be a tight West uh, as we wrap up Saskatchewan and move along because uh, – I don't know where I slot them in, to be honest. Like maybe before all these injuries and retirements, I'd have them finishing first in the West again. Now I'm not so sure. And I, that's the same theme I had when we talked about Winnipeg, when we talked about Edmonton. Uh, I think this is going to be a good team. I think they should be a playoff team, be able to win their fair share of games. But I don't know if they're running away with the division. I, I, yeah, I it's, it's a very interesting thing. I do not. Yeah, I, I, I think, to be honest with you, there's five teams in this division, four of which you can make the chase for to finish first in the West. Yeah, that's, that's a very good assessment. Let's move on to our fourth team here, uh, the BC Lions, uh, the only Western team to not make the playoffs in 2019, a, fi- a disappointing 5-13 and 13 record, last place in the West. Uh Offensive stats, uh, bottom half of the league uh, in most of them, kind of middle to bottom half of the league. Uh, Defensive stats, they struggled a lot against the run game. They were pretty good against the passing game. Uh, Definitely looking for improvement from BC this year, and I I think they've brought in some pieces that are going to help with that. Uh, The big storyline for this team last time they played was the offensive line not being able to keep quarterback Michael Riley upright uh, they you know they fire offensive line coach midway through the season bring in the new guy uh, he they do a lot better as the season goes along but it was a little too you know too late at that point well, in the past two off seasons, they brought in some strong pieces, including Riker Matthews has to be one of the biggest additions for this football team this year that has the potential to make a night and day difference. I mean, you're looking at a starting offensive line of Joel Figueroa, Hunter Stewart, Peter Godbert, Sook Chung, Riker Matthews. Michael Riley should have plenty of time back there to get the ball off to uh the plethora of wide receivers at his disposal, which if you want to talk about this group of wide receivers quickly, Dominic Rimes, Brian Burnham, Lamar Durant, Shaq Johnson, Lucky Whitehead, a common theme I see between these five guys here is they're all deep threats. Yeah, they, they, 
to me, the question is who's going to make that big second down and four catch in tight traffic uh, to move the chains? Hmm. I, I think right? it's one thing to have deep drafts, it's another, you know, you need that hard nosed tight end, that hard nosed big guy over the top that can. Made it catch if need be in a situation over top of a defender's head type of scenario. Well, I mean, Burnham and Rhymes have to be two guys you would consider for that, right? Burnham's is as good as they come for receivers in this league. Rhymes is a big, tall guy who can, you know, go up and grab a ball down if you need and can be a thousand yard receiver in his own right. Uh, there's so many options available for Michael Riley. And I think this is similar to our conversation about Edmonton, where uh, he we have the potential here to just see the ball spread around quite a bit. Yeah, and then the other thing is, how do you plan to keep other teams out of the end zone? Um, I think this is a defense that needs to score points. This is the defense that needs to create turnovers. This is an offense that needs to mitigate the turnovers. Um, and this is a this is a receiving core that needs to get on the right page with their quarterback as soon as possible, so he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. I mean, we're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I don't think on any given day we see him throw a lot of interceptions necessarily. It's their their problem was the sacks, right? Him getting knocked right. to the ground over and over and over again. Now, now you have these options available to him. You have the stronger offensive line. You have a very exciting backfield. I mean, John, they used to have John White last season who had a great season himself, but I am so excited. My number one player I'm watching this season for BC is Shaq Cooper at starting running back. Kind of, you know, stuck behind CJ Gable in Edmonton, did get a couple of starts in there. Uh, did still get used uh, and this kind of a tandem duo there uh, and showed some great bright flashes. I'm excited what he does in this BC offense, because I think if you want to talk about, you know, dark horses for the rushing lead this year, put my money on Cooper. Yeah. And I, I think that speaks to the wide open nature of this division. And the scary prospect is that somebody's going to finish in last place, but it's a very uh, darn good football team. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's going to miss the playoffs. And it's one of those things where, and it's good to see, you know, the teams that struggled are getting better, theoretically, on paper. Uh, we don't know what how this translates to the field once this all starts, but you have to think based on the changes they've made that the offense is going to be better for BC uh, defensively. Uh, you, you maybe have some questions along the defensive line. You've got, it looks like Chris Kasher, Ufamba Kamalu, uh, J.R. Tobai is kind of three of your top guys there. Uh, linebacker position. They bring in Anthony Trophy from Ottawa. I love that uh, to, uh, to go along with Bola Combo and Adam Konar. Uh, defensive backfield, they bring in a guy who was crucial for the Bombers uh, in their Grey Cup run, and Marcus Sales is a huge addition there to go along with Gary Peters, TJ Lee, Victor Gamboa, and Anthony Thompson. 
like this defense looks like it should be pretty good in its own right as well. Maybe those questions along the defensive line, but uh, I'd say they have a pretty solid defense. What do you think? No, I like it. I think if there's anything about a evenly distributed team, this conversation making me rethink where I have the BC Lions slotted. I, I, I think if we want to What's what's your biggest question mark for this team? My biggest question mark is can they keep Mike Riley upright? Which on paper it suggests that they could. And then the if you're not if you're not going to get the defensive pressure, let's say you think that their pass rush isn't very good, or could be better, or is not as vastly improved as people think. Well, then the onus is on your corners to make sure that you don't get beat. Because if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, ah, well, you better hope your cornerbacks and your DBs can cover up for that. I think my biggest question mark for them is actually at the kicker position because, uh, you know, Sergio Castillo, uh, Josh Bartell managing the kicking and punting duties uh, last season. They're no longer back with the team. Uh, looks like it's going to be Stefan Flintoft uh, as the starting kicker. I'll admit, I know nothing about this guy. So to me, that's a question mark. Uh, and maybe that's my own blind spot that I, you know, don't know enough about him. But, uh, you know, you start getting, okay, offense starts getting things down the field. Uh, it's going to be up to Flintoff to put the points on the board when the offense stalls and, and the kicking game and the field position game is a huge part of football. So uh, I'm interested to see how he performs uh, this season, just because I don't know a whole lot about him myself. Uh, that to me is probably my biggest question mark, much like it was uh, with Winnipeg, uh, you know, with Mark Leggio until they, they brought in uh, Tyler Capina. So uh, looks like they are going with Flintoft in BC as the starter. And then they've got a couple global guys in uh, Takaro Yamasaki and Jake Ford behind him. So we'll see if there becomes any competition at that position. But looks like Flintoft is the guy uh, to kick things off, no pun intended, or maybe full pun intended, uh, at the start of the season. Anything else you want to talk about on BC before we move on to our final team and touch on Calgary? I would just encourage people to go out to BC Place and watch them. What I think is going to be a dread, dread BC Lions team. Do you have the? Oh, I guess we don't want to get into full predictions here yet. But uh, much improved over a five and thirteen record from last season, right? Correct. And if you want a spoiler alert, I do have the BC Lions making the playoffs. Can I just say every team makes the playoffs in this division? Can I cheat and say that because? Uh, I do think they have the potential to be a playoff team. And I really don't know when we get to this point next week, which team I will uh, have missing the playoffs. Well, you got a week to think about it. I've got a week to think about it. Uh, Let's move on to talking about our last team here, the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, 12 and six record in 2019, second in the West. They lose the semifinal game to Winnipeg, uh, believe the first time actually in four years that Calgary doesn't go on to the Grey Cup. 
offensively, uh, not very strong run game. I think they cycled through running backs due to injuries quite a bit all season long. Passing game uh, between Bowie Vi Mitchell and Nick Arbuckle uh, was, you know, top two or three in the league. Uh, defensively, pretty middle of the pack, fourth, fifth, uh, et cetera, in a lot of the statistics there. What's your outlook on Calgary for 2021? Yeah, this to me is the question mark, right? Because, you know, we expect Calgary to drop off each and every year, but they're right then and there, right? I mean, I think I had Calgary crossing over to start 19 and they're hosting a playoff game against uh, the Bombers, which we all know how that ended up. Uh, But one thing we do know for sure Hoffnagel will field a competitive, competitive team. And I'll tell you something, it's going to be very eerily creepy if there's no playoff football at McMahon Stadium this year. I can't even imagine it. When's the last time off the top of your head that Calgary missed playoffs? It's been a while. It's been a really long time. Been a, been a while. They're the New England Patriots of the CFL. Was I even but, born when Calgary last missed the playoffs? Not sure, man. Well, Calgary did have some down years. Uh, remember, there was that one year they were close to 500. Uh, I think they were 9-9 nine and nine when they won the Great Cup in 01 against the Bombers. Um but uh, no, it's just that I'm surprised. I didn't, and this is just me, right? I believe that. I believe that people in Calgary take this uh, Stampeder team for granted. Um, they don't realize just how good this team is. It's almost like, you know, they take it for granted. I mean, Come on, you're one win away from, you know, the Grey Cup in a lot of years. Uh, success really started when Hoffnado showed up in uh, in 2018. Um, but, I mean, I'm just looking here historically, historically speaking. I mean, it's been Grey Cup appearance after Grey Cup appearance, uh, not necessarily winning uh, a lot of them. Because uh, I, I, I just like, Ryan, I can't reconcile the fact that, you know, they won one great top in 08, and then they didn't win again in 14. And then in 14 and 18, didn't win in 15, 16, or 17, uh, which were all good years. I mean, there were two great top losses in there for sure, maybe a third. Um if John Hoffnado isn't in the CFL Hall of Fame as a builder, uh, if there was ever a Bill Belichick of the of the CFL as far as building winning pedigree football teams, uh, find me another one because this franchise has been a model of consistency as long as I can remember. Now, the big thing for Calgary this year, well, in 2019 was really the first season since Bo Levi Mitchell stormed onto the CFL scene that we've, we really saw him miss extended time due to injury, right? Nick Arbuckle came in, uh, got his fair share of starts. Bo Levi, 
Bo Levi ended up coming back uh, later in the season and in for the playoffs. Uh, but an extra year off means he had time to fully recover. I expect him to be back this year as good as ever. Uh, and, and one of the most notable positions or additions for this team really is going to be at the wide receiver position. Uh, much like we talked about with BJ Cunningham for Montreal last week, it's Kamar Jordan. He missed the entire season uh, for Calgary last time out. Uh, and he, when healthy, is arguably one of, if not can be, the best receiver in the CFL, I think. He has the potential there. Uh, he's a guy that Bo Levi loves to use. Uh, I still have nightmares over that one game against the Bombers where he put up like 230 receiving yards. That's a huge, huge addition for this offense to have Mitchell back at full health, presumably Jordan back, presumably at full health uh, and, and their running backs as well. I mean, if anything, Calgary was beat up by the end of that 2019 season. So you have a fresh look team coming into this year. You have a lot of, I think, exciting young options on that opposite offense. Uh, Kadeem Carey, uh, Josh Huff, Marky Thambles, Hergie Mayala, uh, among them, you know, that's the fun thing I think about Calgary coming in into each year is they've been so successful for so long that they, they find themselves a great receiver and then he goes somewhere else or he goes off to the NFL. And then we think, okay, who's going to be next. And then there's these guys that, you know, we don't really necessarily know in their names at the start of the season as well. And by the end of it, they're 700, 800 yard receivers uh, I expect much of the same from this team. Tell you something here. I'm just looking. Calgary has not finished lower than third in the West Division. You want to take the guess? Uh, 2003. Wow. You're, you're close. It's 2004. Okay. I was not, not off. A very long time. 2005, they have second, second, third, first, second, first, third, second, first, 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 second, first, 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 second. See, I got into the CFL, like, started to really get into it. I want to say, like, around 2006, 2007. So, in my entire time as, like, serious CFL fan, Calgary is not finished worse than third in the division. So, yeah. And even since then, Ryan, I mean, these records are just astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. In 2007, they finished third in the West at 7, 10, and 1. Since then, it's been 13 and 5, 10, 7, and 1, 13 and 5, 11 and 7, 12 and 6, 14 and 4, 15 and 3, 14 and 4, 15 and 2, 14. 13 and 4, 15 and 5, and 12 and 6. Like, if that doesn't scream consistency, I don't know what does. Yeah, they are the mark for consistency. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, offensively, I think this team, uh, as I, we've just discussed there, I, I think they're going to be exciting to watch for many of those reasons. Uh, defensively, I think they, uh, you know, they've lost a lot of pieces as well, which comes from being as good of a team as they have been. You know, they lost, uh, they lost Trey Roberson. They lost uh, the aforementioned Lorenzo Jerome going off to 
Saskatchewan, I believe. Uh, a Winton McManus is gone. Nate Hawley is gone. Like a lot of these pieces that we've talked about are no longer with the Stampeders. But just looking at the roster in front of us here, I, I think they still have a very competitive team on the defensive side of the ball that uh, can shut the best of teams down. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right now I'm picking Calgary for second or third place in the West right now. <laughs> Still a week to go, but uh, Calgary's kryptonite in the history of their franchise has always been in the playoffs. Franchise regular season records, 673 673 wins, 532 losses, 21 ties. Since 1945, the Calgary Stampede has been a playoff record of 48 wins, 47 losses, two ties, which includes an 8-9 and nine record in Grey Cups. Unreal. The things you find while recording a podcast. <laughs> it's, that's great. I'm glad you got those stats up because it really puts things into perspective. Like defensively, I expect this team to still be just as good. You know, they still have a lot of their pieces intact despite losing those bigger pieces. And uh, their depth are guys that we've seen play some of these guys already in that defense and excel in the time they got in. So now they just get kind of propelled up to starting roles and get to do so more on a regular basis. What... We'll wrap this up shortly, uh, but but what is the what is your big question mark? Do you have a big question mark for Calgary this season? To me, it's it's their defense. I mean, they lost so many pieces. Uh, it's just just bizarre to me. But I don't even want to say that because sure enough, we're going to be sitting here in the first week of December, and there'll be a playoff football game at McMahon, and everything I said in the pre. Preseason show, but my questions for the Stampeders have been answered. That that's normally how it works, right? That I I want to say the Calgary Stampeders are like everybody else, and we'll take a step back, but they just make me marvel and awe, and made me enjoy Winnipeg and Toronto all that much because it's been a run. But quite honestly, the West Division. I've seen a lot of Calgary in that great cup and for Winnipeg to bust through the back door, beating the team to beat them the last three years. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, you know, my like I, I see this West Division being so close this year. By the time I send in my final predictions, I may just put Calgary as number one because you stick with what you know, right? Like it, it, this is gonna be tight. Uh, just based on this roster uh, that, that we've talked about here. Uh, I don't see any reason why Calgary can't be back where they were at the, uh, at the number one spot in the West division. Again, you know, top record, maybe first in the league. Uh, I think they're going to compete game in and game out. And if you're going to bet, not knowing for sure what's going to happen, Calgary's legitimately based on history, your best bet. And again, yeah. we mentioned this last week and we mentioned this the week before. Don't go to Vegas based on what we say. Uh, but Calgary has to be your best, most reliable bet on a team that you expect to succeed every year. I don't know if I'll pick Calgary missing the playoffs until they do. I'll put it that way. 
Uh, wouldn't that be something? I think last year I had them going over in the crossover game as well, but uh, I think I'm even more high on them coming into this year than I was the season before. So uh, I think they have some exciting young pieces to fill in all of those spots that, uh, that they did lose pieces at. And I think, uh, you know, Dave Dickinson uh, is as good of a coach as they come uh, to be able to bring out the talent, uh, the hidden gems, so to say, that John Huffnagel finds. So yeah, I have Calgary in the upper echelon of the West division for this season. Any final thoughts before I uh, do our closing thing here? Uh, I'm still going back and forth on so many of my uh, predictions. It's going to be ridiculous until I had it. The minute I ask for a settle on something will probably be the minute I have to spit them out. <laughs> even, yeah, then I, I probably, even though I probably won't be settled. Yeah, I will probably be the same way. Uh, So next episode on the podcast, we will do our full predictions for the 2021 season, uh, including regular season standings, playoffs, Grey Cup and all. Uh, We'll also get into doing our second annual fantasy draft, I think. Uh, We did one last season. I believe I squeaked out the win in the end, uh, although Mike did make a great comeback. Uh, so hopefully uh, I'm hoping to maintain the title while Mike looks to take it home this season. Uh, so we'll do that next episode on the podcast remains to be seen. If we do it uh, either late next week or early the week of the season starting once we have the rosters all in. Uh, so look forward to that. Subscribe on all the podcast platforms for that uh, and follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM to know when this will be coming out. Follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Garrell. You can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. Uh, you can find all the other great shows from around the Canadian football podcast network at CF pod network on Twitter. Uh, go check all the other shows out and the great content they're putting out in the preseason. And soon we'll all be talking about games. Uh, the actual games as the actual season finally kicks off For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Koop saying thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed our season previews, and we will be back with our predictions next episode. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.